Hello and welcome to the Poetry at Indeep podcast episode number three. My name is Sam Small and these are some recordings from Tuesday night at the open mic. First up this week is Shane Devenin. She recently moved to Glasgow and I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from her in the coming months. Hey everyone. Um, so I'm going to do a piece called uh, Faux Feminism um, and it's inspired by something that happened a few years ago where this uh, feminist group hired private detectives to go into strip clubs wearing hidden cameras and secretly film the women working there without their knowledge or consent. Um, so yeah, that's what this piece um, was the inspiration for it. <clears throat> when did this movement get so divided? Seems a lot of you are pretty short-sighted. If your feminism isn't inclusive, I'd say you find the meaning of it a little elusive. So perhaps all of you terse and swerf should give the rest of us a pretty wide berth. You claim you're all about standing up for women's rights. But on that point, I'd like to pick a fight. Feminism should be about the freedom to choose. Under your policies, a lot of us lose. You want to ban the porn star Martini saying it normalises porn? I mean, come on, really? But that's trivial. And like your latest scandal, this one pisses me off more than I can handle. Hidden cameras in strip clubs, secretly filming women getting undressed. Upskirting's now illegal. So where the fuck's your arrest? You can't call yourself feminist when you have sins to add to your list like secretly filming women getting naked without their consent, women simply trying to pay their rent. Think of the violation you've caused in the name of your cause. Who are you to justify using these women as collateral damage? How about some self-sacrifice rather than slaughtering someone else's dignity on your altar, shoving your small-minded beliefs on other women's throats till they choke, claiming you're woke, you're worse than any perverted prick in those establishments you hate so much, secretly filming your revenge porn, using another's body to your own ends, abusing another's body for the message you send. Your feminism is disguised misogyny, controlling our sexuality. How dare you police others' personal bodily autonomy? You think you're doing this for my own good? Don't be so rude, you patronizing parasite, thinking your opinions outweigh mine. Does my brain not work? Can I not think? I'll think you're under the table. Your minds are too small. You'll fall if you try to comprehend I own all the life choices I make. You're entitled to stay prim and proper and boxed in, but don't you dare lock me in there too. You're toxic. You're so filled with hate for women who choose to take a different path to you. Can't you believe it's true? I might choose of my own volition this life I lead. You're so holier than now coming in with your vows to help poor little ladies like me. You're so wrapped up in your own righteousness you can't see. We don't want your white knight rescue. I'm not trying to test you. Your type of feminism simply doesn't work for me or any of us. They don't fit nicely into your concept of what a woman should be. Stop trying to control other people's sexual identity. It's not grooming. I'm a grown fucking woman. My life choices are not your hobby. So you know what? Fuck your lobby. Keep your policies off my body. Next up is Kate Ireland. Kate recently moved to London, which may be the inspiration behind this next piece. It's called Queen and Country. Hello, hello. Uh, I'm Kate. Uh, I'm from here, uh, but I now live in London. Uh, and since I moved to London, I've kind of been thinking about what unites us as a nation. Uh, and this one is called For Queen and Country. 
So you're sat there on the couch watching The Crown on your pal's Netflix account, and you're heavy knackered because you've been working nights, so your vision sort of blurs with a TV glare merging with the traffic lights from the road outside, and you realise, basically, you're no longer really aware of the who's who or what's what, because you're half watching the inner lives of a family who've somewhere along the line all lost the plot, leaving your brain to rot as the characters in The Crown descend deep down into the depths of delirium and principle, poise and tradition, all assembled with precision by their own admission this holy matrimony church and state coalition and then you see the ladies in waiting facilitating the incestuous polygamous inter-aristocracy dating to enshrine the ritual of the bloodline airborne mating pulsating rotating reaping the benefits of your taxes in its cyclical fashion as long as the earth circles its axis this family who want to be viewed through the scope of a highly orchestrated media lens are making you want to deep cleanse your eyeballs from the incessant itch of the wool that's been hoisted over them Anyway, <clears throat> you're thinking all this in a semi-awake state of exhaustion and rage. Shoes are kicked off at the bottom of your feet and you're curled up on the sofa as you slip and trip, drip gently into sleep. And your preoccupations with our weird little nation's unelected head of state are combined with the warped distortions of a dreamscape. And in this dream, Visions of kingdom and your domestic surroundings intertwine. As your subconscious mind conjures up a time where the Windsors, the Williams, the Charles, the Lizzies, etc. are all politely presented their P45s. And in their place, a new piece of nationwide legislation arrives in which every year a different household in the UK is duly elected as the royal family. This is the law, selected at random by a woman called Deirdre, who is well practiced at conducting a raffle draw. This dream involves a normal average run-of-the-mill family, where mornings smell like toothpaste stains and buttery burnt toast, and on Sunday, grands round for a wee blether and a Sunday roast. A family that congregate, feet up, night in, carry out, curry in, catch up and tune in to the crowning of their own heads, staring back at them on Sky Plus or maybe ITV too. You dream of crowds desperately trying to get a sneak peek inside the Carmichael's family home, a four-bedroom bungalow with an enviable patch of chrysanthemums. You dream of the cans waving to the masses on coronation day from the balcony of their council flat in Govan Hill, their kids' medals from sports day propped up on the windowsill. And you dream of the Jones family in Cardiff, watching on as they are formally invested with the crown jewels to the cries of a ceremonial song, while their English bulldog biscuit takes a shit on the front lawn. You dream of old-timers and newly showing the tabloids inside their garden sheds. Hello magazine telling you where to buy a 14-year-old's fake Gucci threads. Servants ushered in to change the sheets on Ikea single beds and onto this chosen family. You dream of us projecting our morals and ideals and disputes, attaching, attaching our collective ownership of nationhood and attempting to trace back our roots through the snaking and intersecting vessels of their bloodline. You dream of us shelling out for their home and holidays, your hard-earned wages paying to fix the damp on the roof, or an all-inclusive 10-night stay getaway in Magaluf. You dream of the elected monarch, the prodigal father, the hold-it-all-together mum, the bastard son, the chosen one, given all the power without the way of the vote. You dream of the rest of the family, jealous as fuck that their own flesh and blood now resides on the banknote. You dream of this family's ordinary day-to-day, nine-to-five, cut-and-dry, becoming sensationalised, ritualised, privatised, monetised as their curtain-twitching, bitching and itching neighbours and friends watch from afar as this family drama saga twists and bends like a primetime pre-recorded Love Island soap opera that never fucking ends. Because you don't want kings and queens, you want nail-biting scenes, Eddie your seat, cliffhanger with 
with your pie, chips and beans. You want shareable memes, chain mail and death threats. Head your bets on this adolescent concept. You dream of the society around this family adapting to the shifting tides of the changing times while they stay stagnant, paralysed, boxed inside an insular incubation tank like goldfish wearing black ties while you rock it forward like a time-lapse panorama of the night sky or a decomposing rabbit nibbled into nothingness by circling flies. You dream of a family forever referring back to their predecessors, the families of the past handed down from the 14th century made to last. You dream of this family becoming apathetic towards their politics. No more staunch Labour voter, socialist warrior tattoo on your skin till you die, buddy, you're alive. No, it's all straight down the line. Bang in the middle, on the fence, don't cause offence, water yourself down, dilute and lose yourself to being a continuity cardboard, cut out, a distraction, a farce, a symbol, a prop, public engagement, garden parties on top, non-stop till they drop. You dream of their faces being used as relics of strength to unite us when public tragedies leave you with nothing left but the knowledge that this is just the way it's always been. You dream of a family that builds and builds on top of themselves until their skin underneath can't be seen. Their cabinets burst at the seams with instruction manuals of how to follow the rules and keep everything ticking, mimicking the structures and paths and inroads and maps of the past. It's just policies and procedures, a whole cracked up wide-eyed nation of blind faith believers. You dream of the time when the empire of the mind falls and the commonwealth replaces this family's fallen health so all they have left is themselves and the TV like a two-way mirror staring back. Actors embodying an inflated caricature fantasy of their own reality, playing out HD reels of their own mistakes interspersed with the ad breaks until all they can think is how they too feel strangled by the gallows bag tightening its grip over their heads and mouth as their muffled screams clamour to get out of the blood clot, sovereign soaked cloth, souvenir crystal clear, keep calm and carry me the fuck off this horrible little blue-blooded, red-handed imperial cluster fuck of an island. And suddenly, your brain does that annoying thing when it sort of jolts you awake, like you're being resuscitated on an operating table, for Christ's sake. And during your subconscious manifestation of your state of the nation fears, the crown has kept playing onto season four and is now doing the Diana years, when suddenly the beam of a white screen appears and it's asking if you want to keep watching, concerned over your inactivity and basically checking you're not dead. And there's these beads of sweat dripping down your head and now you're slumped so far down into the couch that the street lights outside are out of you and you yawn and say out loud, aye, of course I'll keep watching. What the fuck else have I got to do? Thank you. <laughs> Laura Sherp is up next. Laura runs another poetry night in Glasgow that's on a Wednesday night at the Hillhead Book Club. It's free in and there's always an open mic. It's great what she's doing. The more poetry nights, the better. Please check it out. A big round of applause, please, for the wonderful Laura Sherp. Hello, everyone. Um, my name's Laura. And yes, I have the poetry night every Wednesday at 7.30. So if anyone would like to come, you can either come see me at the end of tonight or... You can message me on Instagram, whatever you like. Um, so, despite having a poetry night, I've actually never done a set before. Um, I've always snuck away with doing wee poems here, there, and everywhere. Uh, so when Sam asked me to come tonight, I was like, oh, cool. I sat down, wee glass of wine. I was like, I'll write a nice set, make it all link. It's not happened. So buckle up, because we're going all over town tonight. We're going to be everywhere. Uh, so my first poem 
is about a question that I get asked all the time, and I find it really difficult to answer. Uh, it's, what do you do for a living? Um, now, my job changes every two months, every three months, uh, and I just feel like there's a lot of weight on that question. I feel like there's a lot behind it, a lot of subtext to it. So uh, I wrote this poem about that question. What do you do for a living? Do you teach fitness classes to the masses at the gym, adults how to swim? Do you teach children how to read and write or spend your days massaging bodies which have become too tight? Do you work at a desk or an office or from home? Do you spend all your days alone, maybe on the phone, apologizing to people you have never met on behalf of the company? Are you giving way too many fucks to be earning £8.93? Maybe you hand out cans of Coke when the Christmas truck comes to town, or perhaps you're on a work in the cosmetic industry on a one-man mission to freeze every frown. Or do you cut and style hair while people show you photos of who they want to be, disclosing their biggest life secrets? Aye, it's just between you and me. Or are you a painter, filling in the cracks in tenant ceilings and walls? Do you see where their relationship is failing because I bet you see it all? Or are you a writer, bearing your heart and soul to the page? Dare you even call yourself that because you think it's just a phase? Or do you spend all day on your feet, taking orders from people about what food they would like, what drink they would like to sip, the speed of your footsteps directly correlated to the size of their tip? How do you sit at your desk or seat? Are you slumped in your chair, shoulders tense, neck strain? Are you in a lot of pain? Or are you on one of those giant bean bags or bouncy balls? Are you working from home, taking a nap on the sofa? No one even knows. What do you do for a living? What do you do so you can afford to live? What do you do while you're watching the clock, waiting for the hours to pass TikTok? What do you say to prove yourself when you're asked the question time and time again? Do you bow your head, change the subject, or puff your chest out with pride? Do you walk with a confidence stride, or is your gaze down buried in your winter coat staring at your feet? Are you pleased with the direction your life is taken as you pound the unforgiving concrete. How do you look at the end of the day? Is there a dullness behind your eyes from hours spent staring at the screen? Or are you skipping out the front door after work drinks with the team or flipping the lid closed on your laptop because you're living that digital nomad dream? What do you do for a living when you're not getting paid? Thank you. Okay, segue, I've done at least 50% of the jobs listed in that poem, <laughs> including the handing out the cans of Coke with the big truck, that was me. Um, so yeah, one of the jobs I have done is I worked in hospitality for so many years, and I've just left trying my very hardest not to go back, but we'll see what happens. Uh, so this poem was written on the way home from a particularly hectic shift on Ashton Lane, um, and I think most people probably agree if you work in hospitality you do see the kind of darker side of alcohol whether it be with the people you work with or the people drinking it on the other side of the bar and um, so yes this is one that was inspired by that night is this how we get old sitting up sipping rum staying numb it's all just part of being young 
tuning out, turning it up, turning it on. The first sip tastes like a full-bodied, full-stop John, a smooth line under a rough day, tough shift. What a week, big month, and happy new year. Shaken or stirred, built up or free poured from the vessel, straight down, straight through the cracks in the weekly grind, filling them up with liquid on a quest to quiet your mind. Through the cracks in the weekly grind, the weekly grind, long-term solutions are impossible to find. And we're all just a sip away, just a small slip away from the pavement or the pedestal, balancing scales and holding onto rails in a city whose winds are determined to send you sideways. Thanks. Now it's time for our sponsor, Speculative Books, a publishing company based in Glasgow. They publish poetry and novellas. If you would like a book of poetry sent directly to you, then you can subscribe at www.speculativebooks.net slash subscribe. And that's one book sent right out to your door every month with free postage and packaging. It's cancelable at any time. And if you use the code podcast, that's podcast, all one word, then you can have your first month absolutely free isn't that wonderful a free month just by going to www.speculativebooks.net forward slash subscribe incredible and now i think it's time for some more poetry another familiar face here at in deep it's the wonderful victoria mcnulty eve has been cast out of the garden to uh, wander the calton In the beginning, there was only flesh and dew and plump and sodium sex and he gave his rib and her a seed and together they were equals. Digits climb mountains of bones and breasts, brows soft and lips wet, fingerprints print in time and space, a slow breath and stall pace. And as the equinox streamed, the garden grew wild around them. So he turned his heels and he ran. Eve now sits in the Calton bar. An aura, a coloured glass, gas in this tin pot band, the jukebox a fading shade of deacon blue. She's still and stirring and sodden. You see, this year plods round her ears because nothing ever happens here. So she sinks a stout. Holds back the tears. Fingers forming a roll-up once feasted, now dry from weather and cheap labour. She recalls it used to be green round here. But no green like trees, an emerald of flags and youth and envy. And a commonwealth grey hushes as she slinks out the side door. There's no commonwealth round here. And in the summer, she saw him in the bric-a-brac. The George Best photos like the one in his loft, his hair all black and soft. And she sees him in the lead mirrors, the spotted spectres of smoke and decay. And she sees him in those vinyl stalls, the style council singles and coal thick walls. She sees him in the floorboards, her feet pound again and again. You see, he didn't push her face in the dust, nor shame her, or call her a slut. He didn't shackle her, or tame her, or slice her, or maim her. He just saw the fruit so full and ripe and was told if he turned his back, the world would let him have it. 
And so she became Cain, no able to leave. Lost amongst the hubbub, the artist studios and pop-up pubs, she shed her skin as a private let strangled the foliage. The pub shutters were down. Her hair in a bun, she looked up for her phone and he stood there in lamplight, all freckled and white as the pumps and glasses clashed around him. He smelled the drills in Baghdad, airport Ray-Ban sunglasses, Emirate and Etihad, his backbone bolstered with all that it is to be a soldier and how being a soldier's made him. And in that sea of rigor boots, he flexed his wings and pulled her through. He said, Eve, I'm sorry, and I want you now. Will you come with me? She visioned her fingers being bled yellow with matchsticks, being buried in the sand and pelted with bricks, and how she'd wet blood, chained to the toll booth, a fishwife. She was fucked by presidents, indentured and changed. They silenced her tongue and cut her name and cast her out in a famine. To walk that stretch, he boarded up pubs and single ends with a frail and the bruise beside her, coughing up the sins of man. And as the gentry built their walls, the years had welled her bitter. I'm not Eve, she said. A coal in her chest now burning ashen red with indignation through all that he took from her, all that he stole for her sisters. That time that was not his to take. I'm Cain, and I'm not able to leave with you, even if I wanted to. Thank you. So, um, a few years ago, I, I performed at Kelburn Garden Party and you get a guest list ticket. And I says to my pal, I'm like, do you want to be my guest list? And I really just made a, a found poem with his answer. So I'm in lunches, I lunches, you know lunches, I, I know lunches. So anyway, he's stoning at the bar and he's bogging hippie trousers like he's been in some gap here and then shatty cell on the flight home. And then he's like, I'm sorry. Do you have the Wi-Fi password? <laughs> and lunches? I lunches, you know lunches? I a fucking no lunches. So he leans in and he says to me, I says, mate. And as he leans in, he is a binge-drinking dentist. Eyebrows poised to extract molars for disbelieving mouths. A pound rattles some Aztec camera for that jukebox overhead. But it's just me and him, rough and rotten, and that stout for Micah stench. And he says, mate, <clears throat> I think you must be fucking lost. <laughs> so I um, this poem's about authenticity in Glasgow and being from a place and finding a place and what that difference is in your voice. This college land is some skin job hallucination. 
bright lights and whitewashed shite. You see, Glasgow swallowed the red pill and she'll cough up come Sunday. And I treaded floorboards last night. I counted ceiling stars a twinkling in that ballroom night. I shared a roller disco with rock gods and serial killers alike and washed it down to rebel tunes in our dying marketplace. And shy-eyed, I think of her and how she said we shared this cityscape. But she writes about Mark Twain and I talk about life, mate. Because she chose to be here when all I can do is stay. Victoria is also in episode one, a speculative books poet, fresh off her writer's residence for Paisley Book Festival. You can check out her latest collection, Exiles, at specbooks.net slash shop. And finally today, a big round of applause, please, for the wonderful, the amazing, the beautiful, Kevin P. Gilday. Cool. Thank you very much. I've been... Uh Kevin Peagle Day, thank you very much for Sam for having us. Um, it's great to be back and it's great that this is back and providing this space for people to, to try their poetry and get up and, and do it for the first time, which is a remarkable thing to, to see people still going and doing that. So yeah, thank you very much for, for all coming and being part of this week community as well. It's very fucking cool and I'm so glad it's still here and still thriving even at the other side of a pandemic. So, yeah, I've been Ken Peagle Day. You can get me on uh, all the usual social media places. Uh, and I also run the Scribblers Union. There's a few Scribblers here tonight. Um, and if anyone's interested in kind of doing poetry workshops and learning how to kind of do some writing and performance skills, then, then give me a shout. But I'm going to leave you with this one. This is a short one. It's a poem about that feeling that existential dread that occurs when a guy comes round to your house to fix your boiler and you're not really sure what to say to him. <laughs> There's a worky in my house and he's fixing the boiler or something. I'm not too sure. But he wears overalls and boots, just like my dad. There's a worky in my house, and I should probably offer him tea. But that seems offensive. When did we decide that all workies like tea? There's a worky in my house, and I'm watching him work. In silence, it got really weird over a minute ago. There's a worky in my house, and he's about my age, so he should really know the score. Follow the rules, mate. Ask me if I saw the game. If I saw the game last night, well, that team was shite, and the manager will soon be on his way. They spent millions on that guy, and all he does is fucking dive. And at least then, I'd have something to say. There's a worky in my house. And I wonder if he judges wallpaper and furniture. 
probably know. He'll have seen worse than mine. There's a worky in my house. And he knows all about it. Pipes and stuff. But all I can do is write bad poetry. There's a worky in my house. And I really shouldn't feel this level of angst, existential or otherwise. Because he does something useful. Just like my dad. Cheers. Thank you, everybody. Kevin's next collection is coming out with Verve Poetry Press. He's the host of the Scribblers Union. And if you want some online poetry workshops, you know where to go. That's at Scribblers Union on Instagram. Thank you to all our poets. Thank you to our sponsor. And I'll see you next week.